Welcome to the Energy Nerd Show, powered by Synapse Energy Economics and Climbable.org. Energy Nerd Show. Hey, Janie. Yeah, Bruce. Who's our guest on the show today? Today we have Sach Constantine. Hey, Sach. Hey. Hey, Janie and Bruce. Good to see you. Welcome to the Energy Nerd Show. Thank you. It's nice seeing you here in a professional setting rather than on the soccer sidelines, which is also very fun, but now we get to talk work. I know, right? As if we don't geek out in the stands anyway as we're watching them. So true. So what are we talking about today? Well, I would love to talk about targeted DERS or distributed energy resources. Um, and I know it's actually somewhat fashionable to talk about, but but we'd like to go deep on this. It's such a, a key part of the clean energy transition in, in our view at Vote Solar. Uh, and I think there have been a number of recent studies that have, have proven out the, the opportunity in, in targeting these behind the meter resources, whether it's solar, which is what we, of course, think about, but also energy efficiency and demand response, uh, working together to really help us move the transition along. So I, that, that's where I want to go. Cool. So where are we targeting them and why? So right now, when we think of distributed energy resources, we're talking generally about things like energy efficiency, so more efficient appliances. We might be thinking about smart thermostats. And of course, we're thinking about solar, rooftop solar in particular, solar that we attach to buildings behind the utility meter. And typically, they're not targeted. Typically, we just say, hey, look, these are a good idea. Let's put them out there. Let's give people, whether it's incentives or just interconnection policy, and we let them put them wherever they want. And, and even in that situation, they're providing great benefit. But what we've seen, and we've seen, and, and I think we'll look uh, in a minute at a slide from the ISO New England system in 2022, and that's what we've been looking at. They're out there. Solar is out there. It's behind the meter, and it's already having an impact on the cost of operating the system, on the strain on the system. So imagine if we targeted those, and there's two kinds of targeting that I think about, right? There's the targeting for the capacity constraints and the operation of the grid, and there's targeting for the customers that need it. Right now in this country, 27% of Americans are struggling with energy security. And that, that takes a variety of forms. It might be uh, that their bills are too high, a high percentage of their income. It might be that their system is unreliable or you know, other questions of reliability and service. So energy security is a huge problem in this country, and it's only going to get worse as weather and climate start to affect our grid more as the cost of operating this grid keeps going up. We're going to need to see that. So I think uh, we have one one graph from the ISO New England system. It, it shows the daily peaks and the behind-the-meter PV load as against the total load. Here's the takeaway from that graph. The system basically showed the demand they expected. They, they hit more or less the 50-50 forecast, even a few times got up towards the really high-level peak forecast, the 90-10 forecast. And what we see is that the behind-the-meter PV was really helping the system keep within operational parameters. We saw over 2,000 megawatts of load shed from the, the central resources because of the behind the meter forecast. And that's a really big margin. So I don't have a graph to share about it, but if we look at what happened last year during the heat wave in California, right? California has about 80,000 behind the meter batteries and we have you know close to a million behind the meter solar installations out there and on this very hot day last summer in 2022 as the system was approaching its mega peak the operator was worried about shutdowns and so they started to call on these behind the meter resources on the batteries Due to policy constraints only about two-thirds or three-quarters of those batteries and solar systems could show up 
They couldn't export to the grid to help. But nonetheless, over 600 megawatts of battery discharge showed up during that peak hour, during those peak hours, and really helped stave off any, any system-wide or massive blackouts and brownouts on the system. And that, again, is without targeting. So there's another graph that I looked at and we can talk about. Recurve did a study in ComEd just looking at targeted behind the meter investments by the utility. And it showed, you know, overall behind the meter investments like energy efficiency, uh, like demand response could save the system quite a bit of money. But the targeted subset of measures where they actually looked where can these measures have the most impact, they had a much higher impact overall than the untargeted impacts. And so when we combine this ISO New England graph and that concept, the concept of targeting the investments, where you need them, where system constraints exist, show that we can get massive savings for the grid operationally. And I think by targeting the most needy populations, as I said, the 27% of people in the country who are facing energy security problems, we can help them manage their bills more. So there's a double whammy here, you know, and, and there's something I always think about as we're transitioning to a clean energy future. I think it was Václav Havel, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, so forgive me. Back in my undergraduate days, I was a political scientist. He said, you know, hope is not the conviction that something is going to turn out in a certain way. It's the belief that doing something about it is worth the effort, right? And again, I'm butchering his phrase. What we know is, is that distributed energy resources are worth the effort. They have so many benefits. It might not meet my highest expectations, but it's certainly going to meet everybody's lowest expectations. It's going to help the system operate better. It's going to help customers with their energy bills. It's going to help with reliability and resilience. It's going to stimulate the economy. There is almost uh, no reason not to invest in more DERS and what's more, to target those DERS to the neediest areas of the grid and to the neediest customers on the grid. So we need more poet leaders and we need to target our DERs. In this graph, what is it about the targeting that works? Can you explain more about where the targeting was in the con, I think it's the con ed example and why that's more valuable? Sure. Well, any system has weak points, right? There may be constraints. There could be anything from transmission constraints to sub-transmission constraints to load pockets that have constrained supply. And when demand goes up in those load pockets or behind any of those bottlenecks or constraints in the system, the system struggles to get the electrons to balance and to flow into those pockets or pools of, of demand. So if we have in-basin resources, targeted dirt, inside of a constrained area. We can reduce the congestion on the transmission and distribution system upstream. We can ensure that reliability within that pool or pocket is working when you have outages or major disruptions to the system. So at the end of long line transmission, uh, any load pockets are vulnerable in a climate changing uh, environment, right? We've seen fires and wind and tornadoes and you know, tragedies are unfolding almost daily for us now. Hurricane season is something to really fear. Fire season is something that we've seen where all of those threats to the system and to the vulnerable points are things that we can help alleviate through targeted DERS. So putting the resources where they're going to provide the most benefit, but also to the families that have the highest need. Maybe they're dependent on, on medication that needs to be refrigerated. Maybe they have other uh, health conditions or other, other conditions that make them really dependent on power, uh, uh, ventilators or other kinds of machines. They need to have that power. So targeting to them, 
helps reduce harm, helps improve the benefits of the system. Uh, kids in school, in a heat wave event, you can't have schools overheating because the, the kids can't even, even stay there, right? So these are ways that targeting the dirt, putting them in vulnerable places on the grid and two vulnerable populations is really going to help overall deliver the benefits that we want and deliver that clean energy future. So I'm convinced that there are um, benefits to both kinds of targeting that you're talking about. And uh, I'm wondering in terms of actually getting that done uh, in terms of like policies and planning, like, like what are your thoughts about how to identify those uh, opportunities and cause them to happen? Yeah, well, I mean, I think there's work that you're doing at Synapse, there's work that others are doing to, to model this system, to find those weak points. So that's one thing we can do. We need more sophisticated distribution system modeling uh, to find those vulnerabilities. We also need to really focus the utilities, the deliverers of these programs for low-income populations, for vulnerable populations. We need to focus them on the, the benefits of not just doing the low-hanging fruit, not just giving out free appliances, but really thinking about how their deployment of energy efficiency and solar and storage can help the bottom line, can be part of their portfolio. We want to think of DERS or distributed resources as a resource in their utility planning. So that means, uh, yes, incentives for the utilities, but also, you know, let's hold them accountable. We don't need a gas plant if we can show that these other resources can provide the same services, cheaper, better, and more strategically located than a central station gas plant or a gas plant that you pop in the middle of a, a vulnerable community, right? And force them to take all the harm from it. These are all things that we need to hold utilities accountable for. Commissions can do that. Opening up the, the market for these services, forcing the utilities and the markets and the RTOs to accept these as resources is a way, as a sort of a forcing function to say, okay, you're gonna have to do this. So let's target it properly. We know the utilities can can do this. They they know who their customers are. They know where their vulnerable points are. So I think this is really a question of accountability, using the CPUCs, you know, like in California, the PUCs generally across the country to accomplish that. That sounds great. One of the problems we hear a lot about in terms of advancing renewables are the interconnection issues. So interconnection timelines and costs. And I think that when you're Describing these targeted DERs, some of the issues that the reason these need to be targeted have to do with poor utility planning. And then the benefits really do go to the utility if you're solving some of their different kinds of constraints. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're seeing the interconnection issues? Are they treated differently in these areas where targeting should be happening? I would like to say that I'm, I'm seeing that. Um, and we're seeing the, the beginnings of it. Uh, we're, we're very intrigued by some of the PIMS indicators. When we talk about utility reform or business model reform, right, we, we think about what are the incentive structures? What, what does performance-based regulation look like, PBR? Uh, so Minnesota had some efforts there. We'd like to see that. I think that some of the efforts across the Midwest, in fact, are, are going to start to yield benefits as we put in PIMS, uh, performance incentive mechanisms or measures uh, into place where the utilities are incented to deploy this properly. We've seen a little bit of that. We did see sort of quasi PIMS and, and performance-based rate making with the energy efficiency programs in Massachusetts and in California. So we know it can work. We'd like to see that spread spread more rapidly and, and, and start to include the generation side as well, solar and, and, and storage as a, as a part of that. Those are incentives to the utilities, kind of larger scale. And then we, we've had guests on the show from uh, Rewiring America who um, talk about the IRA, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act and those incentives and, and how um, some of those incentives are um, 
scaled or increased uh, based on income levels and things like that. And I, and, and I wonder what you think of that. And, you know, does that uh, go some of the way toward the targeting um, in terms of uh, affordable households? Absolutely. Look, the Inflation Reduction Act is a watermark. This is probably the first strong industrial policy we've had in decades in this country, if, if ever this strong. Um, it's got upstream incentives, so we're bringing down the cost of the equipment, and we're and we're increasing the availability of good high tech, and we've got the downstream incentives, as you say, targeted to frontline communities, indigenous communities, right? Uh, the, this is really important. This is where some of the need is. Uh, it's where we can have big impact, and I, I think that's exactly right. The income qualified portions of that, and the, and the bonus incentives that are available for multifamily and frontline communities. What I think is missing, what I what I hope I'm I'm speaking to here is. is is the middle. Where do we hold the utilities accountable? Now that we have the technology and now that we have demand, we've always had demand, but now we're making it available to every customer regardless of their income. Well, now the utilities have to take advantage of it. We've got to hold them accountable to say, these are a resource. You have solar deployed. You have 80,000 batteries deployed on your system. You have a million solar units deployed in your system. You have a million smart thermostats out there, which you can use. You have to use them. You have to use them and try to replace fossil and you have to try to improve reliability, improve the resilience of the system. So I think it, that's the next step. The IRA sets the table. Now we've got to get get everyone to, to partake. Luckily, it's a nice big table and everyone can have a seat. <laughs> yeah, that's great part of it, right? The inclusivity and the intersectionality, the recognition that these are intersectional issues, that it, the housing that we built, the, the cities that we designed, the, the programs that we we put in place they all have to work together absolutely i know we could um we could talk for hours about this stuff i mean there's so much you know um this is a case where you know thoughts and prayers hope i, I talked about hope before this isn't about hope this is about doing something here and we can do something we don't we shouldn't just hope that solar is going to win we shouldn't just hope that people are going to choose to go clean energy we can help make that the right and best choice for people and and target the populations that need it, help them with technical support, help them with financial support, and make sure that they get the benefits out of it. You know, one thing, I, I don't know how much you've been following what, what Ohm Connect and other, the other third-party aggregators have been doing, right? But they've been so successful in helping people make choices about energy-efficient appliances in their home. They've been hampered really only by policy. So we can't just sit back and think that the markets are going to work. They're not, because markets are almost always policy driven. And if we don't get the policies out of the way, if we don't stop kind of taking one step forward, two steps back, like Florida seems to be doing, like other states seem to be doing right now on a variety of policy issues, uh, I, I'm not sure we'll make the progress that we need. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thank you both. It's so good to see you. I am looking forward to our next season's soccer matches and having more of these nerd outs on, on the sidelines. Definitely. Something to look forward to. Go Lions. Go Lions. Thanks, both of you. Bye, Sash. Thanks a bunch. Check out the show notes for visuals and links for more info on the topics discussed. You can find the Energy Nerd Show on social media pretty much everywhere at Energy Nerd Show or on our website at energynerdshow.com. Thanks for listening.